And welcome into Poke the Bear, episode 194, presented by CLNS Media and sponsored by our good friends over at Factor Meals and FanDuel. My name is Connor Ryan, and we are once again going with a solo show to close out the week. We're here to talk to you, of course, about Bill Belichick, Gerard Mayo, and the legacy uh, that Bill... Be- no, I'm, I'm, I'm fucking with you guys. Don't worry. We're, we're talking about the Bruins. We're doing a, uh, again... Solo show, not not a mailbag, but I think there's enough to kind of uh, digest from this week as to what we've seen so far that um, we'll be able to touch on a couple of different topics, both in terms of uh, this Bruins ongoing road trip, which has uh, not gone according to plan, to say the least, um, as well as kind of looking at the halfway point of the season after the Bruins game against the uh, Golden Knights on Thursday, officially marked the halfway point of the 2023-24 season. So quick little assessment as to where the Bruins are. Um, I think they've probably exceeded expectations, but we'll kind of see, um, we'll, we'll kind of map out things that have stood out as to what we've seen so far this year. But um, to lead things off, I think it's good to talk about the Bruins' last game in Vegas, uh, lose in overtime yet again to the Vegas Golden Knights and Bruce Cassidy. Um, and, uh, I think my main takeaway from it, it's kind of this road trip beyond the fact that there's been a lot of injuries, which we'll address a little bit later on here. Um, I think Jeremy Swayman kind of said it best post game is that, you know, the frustration of not being able to finish these games. Like we've talked about this before. I believe it was uh, with Evan on our last uh, poke the bear episode of like, this Bruce team rarely like gets like run out of the building, right? Like even games where let's say, you know, they, give up seven goals to the Rangers. They kind of went back and forth in the second period there. You had that 6-5 loss to the Penguins where the Bruins seemed like they were down and out early on. They come back in, and um, you look at a few of these other games, right? Like the, the shootout loss to Colorado where they come back twice, uh, end up only getting the loser point there. Um, they're in all these games, um, but the one thing that's kind of stood out is just the inability to uh, you know deliver and, and kind of land that knockout punch, whether it be – the end of a game or uh, especially once you get to three on three overtime, right? Like the Bruins are two and eight now um, in overtime this year. Uh, a lot has gone wrong during that stretch. And again, you can, um, you can kind of maybe cast that aside as like, all right, well, once you get to the playoffs and when the games actually really stop mattering, you don't have to worry about three on three anymore. But um, they've been begging a whole lot of uh, one point showing so far this year. Um, you look to see if you want to break their way. Um, and again, like you lose in a shootout to Colorado on Monday to shoot out. What are you going to do? Um, we'll talk about David Pasternak and his eventful week uh, a little bit later on as well. But you lose a shootout. You know, what are you, you going to do there? Um, tough result all around Tuesday in uh, Arizona where Jeremy Swayman, shitty situation for him, comes in cold. If Alina Solmark goes down with an injury, um, you know, I thank you for that point. You're already you're already kind of taking the L on that game based on you know the optics of losing Allmark, losing Matt Patra, um, and a, a really tough break for swimming there. And then you have the game on Thursday against Vegas, where again Bruins come back, tie it up in the third period. Um, a lot of the same kind of mistakes we've seen throughout. Right, uh, way too many penalties for the Bruins, way too many stick infractions, which has been a big issue this year for this team. Um, and again. Uh, as good as the Bruins' uh, penalty kill is, still can't be taken four or five trips to the uh, to the sin bin every single game because you're gonna even if you're 
still playing at a high level on the PK and you're really shutting down a lot of these opposing power plays. The same thing we've talked about with like the general workload of some of your star players that um, that Jim Montgomery's kind of dialed up for these guys. You can do it now in January, but keep on doing it night in, night out. You can get to February and you know March when it feels like the Bruins have a game every other day. If not, it feels like they got them on back-to-back uh, days. Uh, it is going to wear you down. So, uh, that, you know, taking bad penalties. Uh, D zone still has way too many, I think, grade A chances. Too many chances off the rush. Um, and again, you play against Colorado Avalanche, like you're going to have a lot of chances against on the rush when you've got guys like Nathan McKinnon and Kill McCarr who can fly. So um, you have that, you know, a pretty tough test regardless in terms of the matchups the Bruins are playing against, but still a lot left to be desired there um, defensively. But uh, I, I still think the number one thing is just being able to finish these games um, and finishing them, uh, whether it be, you know, late in games or in the overtime. Uh, again, you look at David Pasternak and the misplay with him. And I guess we'll just kind of shift focus to Pasternak because uh, if it wasn't for a certain coach in Foxborough getting uh, fired, oh, sorry, mutual parting of ways, I believe is what the actual statement is. But uh, if it wasn't for uh, Bill Belichick being on the move and Gerard Mayer subsequently taking over there, I'm sure there'd probably be a lot more discourse on the uh, radio waves or TV or what have you about David Pasternak's week and, um, again, I will say that if you want to look at the issues with him on Monday and Tuesday, I'm willing to kind of wipe those aside, right? Like people are not happy with his final shootout attempt. Um, listen, I, I get the optics of it. It looked like he had a, uh, a bust to catch at the end of that game, right? With the way that shot looked. And we know how talented David Posterna can be in breakaways, shootout situations, giving him any time and space. He can do a lot of damage there. Uh, that being said, when you look at just the way he was approaching that, uh, I view it as more as, uh, you know, I think goalies are well aware of that kind of slingshot move that Pasternak now has. Um, he's done it a couple times this year and beat goalies clean. Seems like Georgia was anticipating it. So David Pasternak went for the kind of the short, quick uh, shot, tried to catch him by surprise, tried to beat him five hole. Didn't work out. Georgia uh, anticipated it and made it look like a pretty shitty play. But I think I can at least see the rationale behind that one. Um, on Tuesday, uh, again, Pasternak has a sick goal uh, earlier on in the game, which uh, led to, I think, the, the Bruins chirping back at a few people who weren't happy with uh, his shootout attempt the night before. Uh, but then, you know, late in game, uh, in overtime, has two breakaways, doesn't go. One, great stop by Connor Ingram, who is unreal in that uh, game against Arizona, as was Olmark. It's a shame that he went down with an injury because it was a Really fun goalie battle uh, in that game in Mullet Arena in front of approximately 48 people. Um, but you look at what David Pasternak did in that game. Again, breakaways, one goes off the post, one a great set by Ingram. It sucks, especially when you know that, you know, if he buried that one really earlier on in overtime, you maybe don't have Olmark getting banged up. You don't have all these what-ifs, uh, what have you. So, again, though, breakaway wasn't a severe i think like d zone laps or, or something like that that you can look at back at the tape and be like Ugh. like i'm not gonna do that for a, a breakaway situation for a guy that uh i think above the league average can put those goals away and has done that quite a bit so i'm not gonna really uh besmirch uh posture for that thursday you have a little bit more validity uh in terms of being angry and i think you know jim montgomery said it after the game it's kind of falls on of course, Pasternak for, you know, that lapse there, you know, uh, not accounting for Stone leads to a two-on-one easy overtime goal for uh, the Golden Knights. I don't think the Bruins even touched the puck 
in overtime. Um, but, you know, Montgomery even mentioned after the game that it was definitely a miscommunication between both Pasternak and Brad Marchand. It seems like both of them didn't kind of read the situation at all, like, uh, and allowed Mark Stone to kind of just take off, you know, lead to an odd man rush. And there was really nothing Jeremy Swayman could do there, which um, you can see why I think, I think Jeremy Swayman <laughs> made his way off the ice very quickly and was very, uh, very uh, stern, I think, in his postgame uh, comments, because, I mean, playing at a high level, you can't have those kind of lapses when you're trying to fight back and accumulate points. You got Florida kind of breathing down your neck here in the standings. Um, anytime I think you're a goal and you make a, a scorpion save as Swimming did in that game as well, and you walk off with a with a loss, whether it be in regulation or overtime, you're going to be a little bit steamed anyway. So, um, listen, I, I think especially Thursday, you know, these guys, especially these star players, aren't immune to criticism. Uh, it was a tough look, I think, by both Pasternak and Marshan on that. Um, a pretty costly miscommunication there. And I think, you know, it's, again, these guys aren't immune to it, nor should you just, you know, overlook every, you know, D-zone miscue, even though that's not necessarily Pasternak's bread and butter, right? Uh, I think we're all well aware of that. That being said, I, again, you can, I think, criticize them, and I think it can be warranted. I think that what makes a, a, a rational uh, fan base, it's, you know, when you're able to, both, you know, praise a player, especially a star player when their talent's going to take over and also kind of take them to task when it doesn't work out. And again, it's hockey. It's a game of mistakes and shit happens. So uh, it's a tough result on Thursday. That being said, uh, people who are, you know, I know uh, one radio station was saying the Boston should have been suspended uh, for a game for uh, that Monday shootout attempt. Uh, I mean, listen, it's conjecture. I know you're trying to, drum up the the dramatics a little bit but uh david posnack still a guy that you know he's got 57 points in 41 games uh on pace for a career high in points without uh bergeron and Krejci. uh he's factored he has a point in 42 percent of all of the bruins goals this year like you would be up the creek in deep shit uh without david posnack uh being guy especially early on like i think we've seen uh as of late the bruins offense has been a little bit better um especially over that a stretch where they had what four plus goals in six straight games. Um, offense is coming around, but you look at earlier on this year, where it felt like every game was one goal game. Uh, you had to rely on old markers and Swayman to kind of bail you out there. You would be in deep trouble if you didn't have David Poster and I kind of still putting up those video game numbers. So, again, like every good player, they're not immune to criticism. You can call them out when they're, uh, you know, have these lapses. Thursday wasn't a good look. I'm, I'm not really fretting over. Monday or Tuesday in those plays necessarily. Um, but I think the most important thing to take away from it is that, yeah, he's not perfect as is any person, athlete, whatever, whatever you want to say. Um, but let me tell you, David Pasternak makes a hell of a lot more good plays than bad plays. So um, again, you can, you can, you can take the L's. You can uh, find the situations there where you're like, uh, tape doesn't look too friendly, but I'm willing to bet, a hefty amount that there's a lot more good than bad that uh, comes from having a superstar talent like David Pasternak uh, leading the way for you. So I think I'll end that little segment there on Pasternak. And um, I have to imagine most people are, you know, in the same boat. Listen, you need a little bit more from him at times defensively, but he is far from the issue for this team when he's uh, generating as much as he has. But again, I think it's a safe bet to assume that David Pasternak is uh, going to be a key piece for this team, both this year in the years uh, ahead, um, especially offensively. But uh, going off of that, 
let's why don't we take a, a quick little break here listen to our good friends over at FanDuel the NFL regular season is wrapping up but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel America's number one sports book because right now new customers can get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet that's 150 bucks in bonus bets win or lose now is the best time to join FanDuel the app is so easy to use and there's so many different ways to bet including live same game parlays finding bets in the new explore tab or making a parlay in the parlay hub and frankly that's the best part about FanDuel is that you can bet on anything you want to wager on how many points Jason Tatum is going to drop that night be my guest maybe which team is going to hoist the Lombardi trophy next month go for it you can really do it all so bet now on an app that's safe secure and super easy to use plus when you win you can get paid instantly so visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in mass. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Hope is here. Go to GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. Go to GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Once again, shout out to our good friends over at FanDuel. Uh, and also a quick note, uh, you know, looking back at these last couple of games, injury bug, not great for the Bruins. Um, I think all things considered, when you look at what the optics were, of uh, Tuesday's game in Arizona, I think you'll take it if you're a Bruins fan that you know so Mark is day to day. Again, we're talking about hockey players. Day to day could mean that you know you can put a day to day designation for a guy with fucking cracked ribs or dislocated knee, or you know again, uh, you can really tell with the timeline with some of these injuries. But all in considered, the fact that he's not on LTIR, that he's not designated week to week, it's a really good sign for a guy that. Looked like he was going to miss a significant amount of time uh, when that injury happened on Tuesday. So if you're the Bruins, you'll take that, even if he's out for a week or two, even if it's through the all-star break, let him recoup from that. You'll take that over seeing him back in late March, if not the rest of the year. The way it looked was pretty scary on Tuesday. Um, now, Patra, same thing day-to-day. You hope he gets back. Uh, had a really promising first game against Tampa. And then uh, Brendan Carlo is going to miss the next couple of games, uh, placed on IR with an upper body injury, uh, just suffering that on Monday against Colorado. Big loss. Uh, we know how good Brendan Carlo is at PK, but I think especially at five-on-five five play, he's probably been your steadiest defenseman, I would probably say, this year, especially in in the D zone. So uh, need him back as soon as possible here. So hopefully that's not an extended absence for Brendan Carlo. Um, all right, well, now looking past uh, – kind of the recap of this past week. Let's kind of look a little bit more big picture and do kind of a, a mid midseason point review. Uh, after that game in Vegas, the Bruins are now uh, at the halfway point of the year. Uh, they're 24-8-9. As of recording this, I believe they're still a point ahead of Florida, um, who are red hot. The team looks kind of like we saw in the playoffs last year. They look scary as shit. Um, so we'll see kind of uh, how that plays out. I think most Bruins fans after they were after the way last year went, you'd probably rather uh, maybe slide down the standings a little bit, not have the the moniker or the label of being a president's trophy or a, you know, top seed or what have you. Maybe it's better to kind of be the two and 
set yourself up for a nice little Bruins Maple Leafs matchup again. I feel like that would uh, that would be a little bit more palatable than uh, you know dealing with whatever wildcard team makes it in the last day that's running hot, and you have that same scenario playing out again. So um, I think as a whole, though, midway point, uh, I think Bruins fans should be encouraged by what they've seen so far this year. I don't think people had a, a firm grasp on what exactly this team is going to be this year. I know Evan and I mentioned, uh, I think we said second and third in the Atlantic, going to be a really tough out. Um, you know, their strengths based on defense and goaltending. And I mean, I think so far they've exceeded expectations in terms of where they are. Again, I think a lot of that is due to that red hot start they had. I want to say they're 15. Like when you count like just OT and shootout losses, it's just loss. I think they're like below 500 over the last month plus. So um, they have taken a step back um, without a doubt. Um, I, again, are they, what are they? Are they a team that started the year red hot? Are they a team that's kind of been up and down? I think they're more in the middle, right? I think they've clearly got issues to fix, especially defensively has been, uh, I think that's really kind of stood out here. But uh, for a team that lost so much talent in the off season and had all these woes about um, what exactly they were going to be moving forward, especially this year is this kind of bridge gap year where you didn't have a lot of cap space anyway, and you're kind of just trying to tread water. Uh, I think you'll take a, you know, being number one in the East um, for most of the first half of the year. Um, and I think a lot of guys have stepped up. And I think if we're looking at probably the most positive and negative surprises out of the gate so far this year, for me, positive, I think it has to be um, the fact that you really haven't to worry that much about the center depth, right? Like that, I, again, I, the forward groupings have been a work in progress. It feels like every other day, there's a new kind of line combination there. So that continues to be something that Jim Montgomery is shuffling around. But um, for that being the biggest issue so far this year, you know, whether it be Charlie Coyle, who's on pace for 60 points and over 30 goals. Um, Pavel Zaka has shifted uh, from, you know, center to wing, and he's kind of cooled down a little bit, but still has been pretty solid when, when needed. Again, it's tough to really, you know, put these guys into set roles when the lines have been shuffled around so much this year. But I think he's been steady, um, kind of trying to build off of last year. And then I think, you know, he didn't have the strongest game on Thursday, but like Morgan Geeky's a guy that since he came back from that upper body injury back in November, I think he has uh, 16 points in his last 22 games. Like he's, he's playing really good hockey right now. And again, he's in an elevated role. We've talked about it with Geeky before that uh, his production is something that you would think instead of getting 10, 11 minutes a night in Seattle, like he did last season, if you give him 14, 15, he should benefit from it. Also helps. He's playing with guys like David Posternock night in and night out, which definitely helps you boost up your numbers a little bit. Um, but I think he's been steady uh, in the top six. I don't know if he's a permanent fixture there, but he can kind of be that, you know, Riley Nash, Swiss Army knife kind of player that's uh, step that can step up and can kind of perform his role all across the lineup. So I think he's been good. Uh, Patra, you know, we'll just wait to see when he gets back, but had a really good first game against Tampa. Again, I think you take the you take the victories when they're available for a 19 year old kid like Patra, who I think is still a year ahead of schedule. And even if he goes through the bumps this year of, um, you know, hitting the rookie wall or um, fighting through the physicality, I think you've got a really strong player that's going to continue to develop where all of a sudden you go to next season, kid's still 20 years old and he's got a full year under his belt, knows how to train, knows what to expect. Um, I think it only goes uphill from here. So uh, I think as a whole, as much as that, it's very scary to go into a new year when you don't have two fixtures in Bergeron and Krejci in place. Um, I think that's probably been the thing that's really stood out to me so far is um, – 
the center depth has really held its own. And even with all the mixing matching uh, with these lines, whether it's, you know, guys signed to bargain bin deals like uh, Geeky or James Van Riemsdyk or Danton Heinen or, you know, Trent Frederick really starting to heat up and asserting himself as a, a middle six fixture. I think Jake DeBrus is playing a, a better game as of late, which is huge. Um, I think as a whole, is this team going to be like a top five offense? No, but you're seeing a couple more guys, I think, starting to pull on the rope here and having uh, a pretty capable offense that obviously starts with guys like uh, Pasternak and Martian. But um, this offense, I think, has the potential, especially these guys keep on building their games, being a lot better than I expected going into this year when I thought maybe we were looking at, you know, top five in, in goals against and 15, 16, uh, somewhere, somewhere around that in terms of offense. Um, it's kind of almost been the opposite in terms of maybe just the optics, at least to start this year. So that's been my biggest surprise. Um, before we start looking at maybe the flip side of that in terms of maybe what's been a little bit disappointing out of the gate, um, let's take another quick break here and listen to our friends over at Fact of Meals. Once again, shout out to our good friends over at Factor Meals. All right, uh, looking at probably the negatives uh, of this year, um, Listen, I, I think we can talk about maybe the individual play of, um, you know, guys like DeBrusque, who was really slow out of the gate. Um, you know, Havis Lindholm's, I, I think, probably individually has kind of maybe taken a step back, even though I think he had really unrealistic expectations off of just how elite he was in every facet of his game last year. Last year was, uh, you know, I had him, I think, second on my Norris uh, voting. I think he was just money every time he was uh, stepping over onto the ice. Um, so he's maybe taking a little bit of a step back, even though he's getting a lot of D zone starts as well. Um, you got guys banged up like Grizzlick, who seems like he's at least offensively settling in a little bit more. I think he's got five points in his last seven games, um, gets the goal in Vegas. But I think the, probably the biggest surprise uh, that's been a disappointment is just the overall D zone coverage, um, the D zone work. You look at the personnel there. Um, this is a team that, I think we all expected the the goaltending tandem was still going to be very strong, if not, you know, building off of it from last year, right? Where how young Swayman is that he can take another step forward and make that that tandem even better uh, in 2023-24. Um, you look at the the personnel on that decor, the fact that the Bruins' identity has been rooted in a really strong, stingy zone defense for years now. Um those two things in place, even with the question marks about who is going to be playing down the middle, you know, these younger players, are they ready? Uh, how do these kind of bargain bin guys fit into the lineup? Are they still, you know, is GVR past his prime? Is Frederick was last year an aberration? You know, he had all these question marks up front. I think we were expecting a lot of one goal games, but the Bruins to be on the, the, the winning side of most of them, right? Just in terms of how good they have been in the past uh, defensively. And, Again, they haven't really been buried that much, uh, and it helps when you got two really good goalies in Olmark and Swayman bailing you out. But um, they've been decidedly middle of the pack so far this year in terms of you know rush chances. They've been pretty low in terms of uh, tracking those, but high danger chances they're right in the middle of the pack, if not trending more towards the bottom of the pack in terms of just how many quality looks they're giving up. Um, you know, playing at the net front has been an issue. It's just doing things that are making things way too easy for opposing teams to get good looks against again, two really good goalies, but it's unsustainable and you're running into a lot of trouble when you get to, especially the playoffs when teams thrive down low. And, you know, a lot of these teams that have success with these physical four checking teams like Carolina and Florida and what have you, 
if your net front and your D zone coverage is still out of whack by then, doesn't matter if you've got, you know, Hashik and a few other, you know, Hall of Fame goalies uh, all on a line. You're going to get buried in a couple of those games. And uh, it's all a lot of it's going to be self-inflicted, as was, I think, a lot of the miscues and uh, goals against you saw last year in the postseason. So, um, again, I think any uh, offensive contributions you have, these three, four or five goal games, you will absolutely take them. That's how you're working with house money, I think, at that point. But uh, you look at the way this team is built and how the blueprint of how they can go on a run. It's all going to be rooted in your two goalies uh, staying hot, bailing you out of a couple of games, but also your defense holding uh, holding tall and, and standing tall against uh, some really good offenses. And um, you, you land the punches where you can offensively. I think that's kind of the blueprint for this year, at least, as you're in this kind of successful bridge season of trying to kind of wade the wade uh through this and get to next year when you got a, a crap ton of cap space to spend and younger guys are getting better um there's optimism on the horizon for you know really aggressively retooling this team in the years ahead with already a pretty good foundation in place but the way this team is built with their cap limitations last year this team's bread and butter is going to be rooted in its defensive identity both in net and especially uh their play right in front of their goaltenders and i think that's been I think it's been lacking so far this year. So, uh, again, it's not going to get any easier. You're going to have a whole lot of uh, situations where these guys are going to be playing a lot of games down the stretch here. It's going to be less and less practice time, which is kind of concerning because I feel like the Bruins need uh, a couple of sustained long practice sessions where they can really kind of fine-tune some of this work because it's been a recurring issue. But if you ask me right now, again, Bruins, I think, have uh, exceeded expectations. They've been playing at a really high level this year. But – uh, all that's going to fall to the wayside if it ends up being another very disappointed first round exit. And if your D zone coverage doesn't, uh, f- you know, fine tune and fix itself up between now and then you're putting yourself in a pretty awful spot against whoever you draw. It doesn't matter. Any team in the playoff can beat anyone else. And if your D zone coverage is lacking, you're letting pucks, uh, hover on the net front, not cleaning up that area of the ice, you're going to get buried. Um, so I think that's definitely an area of emphasis for this team going on down the stretch. All right, well, that will do it. Uh, that will do it with this episode of Poke the Bear, episode 194. Um, I want to thank you guys all for um, uh, tuning in, listening, uh, whether it be uh, on Spotify, listening in your car, um, wherever it is on YouTube, of course. Uh, we'll be back at it next week with Evan and Ty running through, uh, you know, getting back to a few home games finally uh, as this, you know, schedule will pick up a little bit before we get into the All Star break in a couple of weeks. So, be plenty more to talk about as we uh, turn the calendar to February trade deadline, all that fun stuff that I know you guys love to uh, love to talk about as well. So uh, if you want to read any of my stuff, uh, please go over to boston.com. We have you covered every step of the way this season, whether it be recaps, features, columns, breakdowns, all that good stuff. And you can follow me on Twitter, X, whatever it's called now, at Connor Ryan underscore 93. So once again, this was episode 194 of Poke the Bear. You listeners have a great rest of your week.